Thanks, man. Oh, thank you. Oh, come on. If you're going to clap, do it properly. Come on. Yeah. Woo. I reckon we should make a rule in church. If one person claps, we all have to clap. Okay? So next time someone just starts a clap, you all got to join in. All right. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Narisha. Awesome. Hey, so good to be with you. 2019 has begun. Come on. Who's had good holidays? We've seen some sunshine. Who's made some New Year's resolutions? One person. Anyone else? Wow. Okay. Is it what? What? What is that? Is it? Is it just you've learnt that uh, that that they just don't work? That you just don't end up keeping them? I mean, maybe. I mean, you know, common ones are like you know losing weight or getting fitter or spending more time with the kids or maybe flossing. Um, yeah, important things like that. Um, I don't know, maybe sharing with others about your faith more. or I know there's lots of good things that we kind of intend to do. But a few weeks, months, possibly even just days down the track, we don't do them. We've stopped. And uh, so I actually, I, I'm like most of you. I've d- decided not to make any New Year's resolutions, uh, partly Perhaps because I'm a little lazy um, and I'm still in holiday mode. But actually, it's not quite true. I've made one. I've made one. Uh, because this scripture has been, been speaking to me and it's, it's a powerful message. Uh, and, and I think it's a great place to start the year. And I, I want to share it with you. And you'll, a lot of you will know this scripture. It's Matthew 6, 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, we can make our plans, but when we seek first his kingdom, it's like what Mayo was saying just, just a moment ago about putting the rocks and the way it goes is you're, you're, you're supposed to put uh, the rocks in, and then the pebbles, and then the sand, and then the water, and the thing, and then it will all fit. If you do it the opposite, you put the water in and the sand, it all kind of overflows, and it doesn't fit in your life. Can I say that seeking first His kingdom and His righteousness, seeking God first in our lives, is the rock? There's actually no other rocks to put in. That's all you need. You put that one in, and everything else will take care of itself. And if there's not room in your life after you've put that one in, then there wasn't supposed to be room in your life for that thing. Whatever that thing was, it shouldn't have been as a part of your world because when you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, when you place Him number one, then everything else falls into place. You know, Jesus said, you know, don't worry about, actually, let's go to it. In verse, in verse 15, he's, uh, sorry, 25, He says, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. He's actually pretty broad there, isn't he? Do not worry about your life. That's kind of all-encompassing. Just don't worry about anything in your life. What you're going to wear, how you're going to pay the mortgage, how you're going to feed the kids, how you're going to afford that thing, how you're going to resolve that relationship. Don't worry about those things at all. Seek God first. And as part of that uh, this year, um, I've decided that I'm going to uh, mem- try and memorize the scripture every week. So there's this great 
Um, uh, it's an Instagram on, and on Facebook. A friend of ours who pastors Equippers London, um, Mark Nash, he spoke here last year actually, uh, has started up this thing called Hashtag 52. Uh, and there you go. You write it down and you can look it up on Instagram or Facebook. And every week you'll get sent a passage and, so, and you can have it emailed to you or just on Instagram or Facebook. And over that week, you can commit it to memory. You can build it into your life. Because how many know the Word of God is powerful? It changes us. And, and, and I think, you know, if you want to make one New Year's resolution, I reckon getting more of the Word into you is a pretty good one. You can't go wrong with that. So guess what the first scripture is? Matthew 6, 33. Seek first. See, I've been memorizing this one this week. But... It's a, it's a good it's a great place to start, and God's been, been 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 stirring something in my heart around this idea. Well, actually, what does it look like to seek Him first? Because I don't know about you, but I make plans. I make my own plans, and when you come to the start of the year, it's easy to go, okay, this is what's going to happen this year. This is, these are the things that I'm planning to do, and I uh, and we just set to it. But as my as given us that amazing illustration, we don't want to leave God behind. We don't want to just be like, okay, I've got my plans for the year, God, and I'll try and fit you around them. See if you can squeeze in there somewhere. Uh, it'll be good if you could. Um, but if not, that's okay, because I've got my plans. And, and I, I'm actually convinced this year more than any other that we need to seek first. His kingdom and His righteousness. Now it's easy to say that. Oh well, I, you know, I do that, and I. But actually, above all else, seeking Him first, because you know we've got a good church. I, 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 I love this church. We've got a great church, and and actually, why, why don't you just turn to your neighbour, and, and as you're doing that, stand up, because I want you to do something here. I just actually, I feel like I'm speaking here, and I'm here, and there's Richie in the middle. But I want you to all to stand up and come into the middle so I can actually uh, preach to all of you. Thank you. Thank you. I just, just make it so much easier for me. And while you're doing that, give your neighbor a high five. Say, how you going? Look at that. Getting cozy. Awesome. Hey, that's good. You see, we've got a, we've got a, we've got a good church. We've got a nice church. And I like a nice church because when we started here a few years ago, you know, there were some great people, but it was, it was a tough Church, it was uh, it was a bit painful. It was uh, it was cold. Uh, I think they'll turn the heating off for uh, for summer in here as well. Um, and it was, yeah, it, it was hard. And we've got we've got great people here. We've got some great things happening. We've got you know an awesome worship team. Thank you for leading us this morning, Narisha and team. We've got great you know hosting team. We've got a, a lovely venue. We've got great kids program. We've got lots of good things in place. And the thing that happens is when you get lots of stuff in place and good structures and people and and it's easy to kind of sit back and go, ah, this is going to happen. This is going to work. God, oh yeah, he's kind of an optional extra there. But actually we've got the systems in place. We've got the stuff in place. We can make it happen. And I don't, I, I tell you what, I don't want another year of nice church. I don't actually want, this, I'm not saying I want a year of bad church. 
Uh, but I don't want it just another year of us kind of ticking the boxes, going through the motions, having a nice gathering together. And, oh, look, we're growing a little, and that's cool, and we're all friends and having a good time. And that's great, but actually I want to see something far more than that. And I know that God wants us to see something far more than that. Do you agree? Okay, if you agree, then encourage me a little bit, okay, because I'm feeling like it's just me who wants this. But uh, uh, And maybe you're still on holiday. How many of you still on holiday? You're just still like, like whoa, Dave, slow down, slow down. It's that first Sunday. Ease us into it a little bit. Um, I get that. I get that. But we've got a city that's dying to know Jesus, actually, literally dying without, without Christ in their lives. And we need, to, we need to change that. We need to reach our neighbors. We need to reach our, our workmates, our friends, our, our family members. We need to look beyond our lives. And, and I know that to do that, we've got to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Because if we just try and make our own plan, well, I've got a plan to reach my neighbor. But we don't consult Him. We don't bring Him in on it. Then how many of you know it's probably not going to work? We need to seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And that begins in prayer. So we're doing a series, you'll see it down there, called Anointed. And the anointing of God is when His Spirit rests on His people. And that only comes when His people reach out to Him, when they ask for it, when they desire it. God's not going to pour out something of Him unless we are hungry for. And perhaps your prayer today just needs to be, God, stir a hunger in my heart. Stir something in me for you, God, because I uh, perhaps I'm a bit lacking in that. But you see, I, I'm convinced that this year, prayer has to be the cornerstone, the foundation of what we're going to see God do in our, in our midst. For some reason... And I don't know why this is. Maybe it's because we've got we get the good systems in place and things are, you know, nice and we we like to have, you know, structure. But we see prayer as a bit of a tag on. It's and, and it's something we should do, but we don't necessarily prioritize. Because let's be honest, you know, it's not that practical. It doesn't we don't see tangible results. When I set this stuff up, I see it. But when I pray, I don't know. Did something happen? Did God move? But we've, we've, we've got to come back to the place that actually when we, when we pray, God does hear. He does move. Our, our prayers are never in vain. And actually, if we're to see things change, it begins in prayer. Because, you, you know, we could have no stage. We could have no worship team. We could have no kids program. We could have no venue and if we met together and we hung it after God, that would be enough. Actually, all this stuff is just, it's like decorations. You know, the nice coffee that you're going to get after the service. That's great, and I'm looking forward to it. But actually, that isn't what church is about. The worship, the, 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 the lights, even me preaching, that's not. It's, it's God's people hungering after Him. It's God's people connecting with Him. That's got to be the foundation of who we are. And we get it, we get it backwards. 
I've heard it said, and this is, this is man, this, this hit me when I read this. I've heard it said that you can tell how popular church is by who comes on Sunday. You can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. Ooh. You know, because often we kind of go, oh, and the, and the prayer's just for the heart outs. Prayer's just for the core leadership team. Prayer's just for the, the leaders. And we see that, you know, we, we do a monthly uh, global prayer night, and I'm saying uh, it's not as well attended as our Sunday mornings. Um, we, we do prayer meeting before a service, and, uh, and often, and, and I understand this, we're busy doing the jobs, so they're like, oh, no, I've got to set up kids. Oh, no, I've got to practice another song. Oh, no, I've got to do the hosting stuff. And prayer meeting's like, oh, if I can make it, I'll get to prayer meeting. No, that's the wrong way around. That's completely the wrong way around. Because God, we seek first who? God, we don't seek to do the stuff for Him. We seek Him. Did you hear that? We don't seek to do the stuff for Him. We seek Him. And we've got to get that in our hearts. And my prayer this year is actually that our prayer meeting will be as well attended as our services. That actually we get a hunger for His presence. Because how many of you know that, that the way we do things, and, that, and, I, and this is deliberate, the way we do Sundays is we, we, we try and make it as accessible as possible to, to someone walking in off the street. That's why we do hosting. That's why we, you know, keep things snappy. Why we, uh, well, I try and be entertaining. Uh, that's why we do things the way we do, um, because we want to reach out to, to, to people who come in. Pre-meeting, we don't have to do that stuff. We can just cry out to God. And there's a, there's a rawness and a realness that can happen. And, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, I believe that it needs to start in prayer. This is this is what um, what it says about prayer. Matthew eighteen, nineteen and twenty says, I also tell you this, Jesus speaking, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. That's God's promise. If you agree in prayer, he's gonna do it. It makes me think, why don't we get together more often and, and, and pray? Because prayer focuses us on God. It, re, it causes us to rely not on our, on our own good plans and programs and processes, but on Him. The, great, the greatest preacher of the late 1800s, Charles Spurgeon, he said this way back in 1873. He said, The condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So is the prayer meeting a graceometer. He made that word up. And from it, we may judge of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if, not, and if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness in prayer. A slothfulness. In, I, I want to apologize on, that, uh, on my behalf that that I've had, a, I guess, a slothful approach to prayer. And perhaps this week you need to come before God and, and, and apologize as well because I think there's a, there's a real sense that we are, and I know what it's like. We get busy, but we get distracted. And all of a sudden we realize actually, you know, prayer just kind of drops off the list. John Wesley said, I've got so many things to do 
uh, for God that I have to pray for several hours a day. Like he was, it was the opposite. He knew how much God had for him. And so he prayed all the more. We think, oh, I get too busy. Prayer just kind of drops off. And it's not about having the right words. It's not about being eloquent. It's not about, you know, just having it all together and then and saying your well-crafted prayers. Actually, Jesus had a go at the Pharisees for that. No, it's just about having a heart. It's just about having a heart that seeks after him. It's as easy as that. Because it's not about, you know, doing the stuff. It's about having the heart to see God move. If we call upon God, he promises in his word to answer us. If we don't call upon him, he's promised nothing. Have you thought about that? He promises if we call on him to answer us and to move. But if we don't call on him, he's promised nothing. Too often we don't receive because we don't ask. And I think I, I had this revelation at the start of last year, and and I and I and I was I got myself an, an app on my phone, admit, and it's been helpful to just help me pray regularly. But I I realize now that I haven't I haven't got everybody on board with that, and and it's not about me getting people on board. I I really pray it's you catching the heart of God, because how many of you know that what. Just one of us praying is powerful, but as that scripture I shared with you before says, if two of you agree, then it's done in heaven. All we need really is to just get some of us agreeing together, and God's going to move. Just coming together and agreeing together, and God will move. And I actually want the barometer of our church to not be, because we record numbers. We record how many people come and how many kids we have and that kind of thing. And that's cool. That tells you so much. We record our finances and that tells you so much. But actually, I believe the barometer for how we're going in church is actually how many people's in the prayer meeting. How many people are praying? How many people are connecting with God? Let's hear what Jesus says about his, his house, about his temple. He says in Mark 11, 15 to 17. This is, a, is a, crazy, a crazy passage. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, it is, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. See, Jesus is passionate about his church. He's passionate about his temple. Now, we know that church is not a building. We know that church is actually just us coming together. But Jesus here, it's, it's, it's crazy. He gets pretty fired up. And this is Jesus, meek and mild, who's so loving and does so many generous and kind and Good things and healing. And here he is. He's firing up in the, in the vision in John. He's, he makes a whip out of cords. And he starts laying into people. Like, he's serious about this. What made him so angry? It's because his, his house was being prostituted for purposes that it was never intended for. What was it intended for? Well, he says it right there. 
He's quoting the prophet Isaiah, and he says, My house will be called a house of what? A house of what? Come on, everybody, a house of what? A house of prayer. A house of prayer. Isaiah 56, 7 is what he's quoting. It says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. A house of prayer for all nations. You see, Jesus isn't terribly impressed by our religious duties. He's not actually that impressed with our, our praise and worship and our lights and our nice coffee and, our, and the stuff that happens here. He's less concerned about whether we're doing God's work and how, more concerned about how and why. And that heart, that motivation comes from prayer. It comes from us seeking Him first. So if you're serving kids, the question isn't so much, you know, whether you're teaching the right stuff. I hope you are. Uh, but is your heart for God and for those kids? If you serve in hosting, it's not so much about, you know, having a nice smile and the nice right things and comfortable for visitors. It's actually about, do you have a heart for God and for His house? We find that heart when we pray. Now, Jesus was obviously... He was addressing something here. They were doing some things in the temple they shouldn't have. They were selling um, um, doves and other sacrificial animals, and they turned it into a bit of a marketplace. And, and, and so I'm not implying when I draw on this scripture that we're doing, I hope we're not doing anything uh, too commercial uh, that Jesus is going to have a go at. But I do think that there's something in that for us. You see, this house is not actually called to be a house of preaching. Actually, my message isn't the main thing. Like in the West, we've kind of we made it a lot about the preaching of the word. It's about the, the preaching of the word and the worship and and you know, those things are a part of our service and they've been part of the church for thousands of years. But what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, My house will be a house of preaching. He doesn't say my house should be a house of music. No, he says my house should be a house of prayer for all nations. And I believe in 2019, we need to reclaim that. Our house is a house of prayer. And you read for all nations and you think, oh man, does that mean we all have to be missionaries? No, God, Jesus is just saying for all people. For all people. That means we don't just pray for ourselves. Because how many of you know when you start praying, what's the first thing you pray for? Is whatever issue you are facing right then and there, right? And you, you start praying for, oh, I've got to pray for, oh, pray for my kids. Pray they will stop doing that. Pray, that uh, pray for my finances. I'll pray for this. Pray for whatever. Jesus says, yeah, you, it's to be a house of prayer for all people. We need to be looking beyond these four walls to, the, to our city. Jesus says, you know, my house is a house of prayer for all nations, for all the world. And we've got to just lift our eyes sometimes because that's what prayer does. It takes us off our own circumstance. And we, we, as we begin to pray, we realize there's so much more need and, and 
and hurt that we could be making a difference about. Because that's the beautiful thing about prayer is that in as much as our prayers change the world around us, more so they change us. When you start praying, something changes on you. And actually, I just think if we all prayed and sought Him first this year, not only would our community be changed, but we personally, you would look back over this year and you go, wow, God has taken me so far. Because the, the blind spots will be revealed as you pray. The things that you don't even know yet are faults in you. I'm sorry, they are there. <laughs> you, you probably possibly don't think they're there, or you don't even know they're there. But as you pray, God begins to reveal. He begins to show us how we need to change and how we can change. You see, the honest truth is that our worship, my preaching, isn't going to change people's lives. Not, not, in, not in the same way prayer can. Ten minutes of prayer can change someone's life far more than ten of my sermons. Because in ten minutes of prayer, God can come into a situation and turn it all around. So we need to, we need to begin to... Because that's the crazy thing about the church is it's one of the few organizations in the world that exists for, not for its members, but for the people outside. We don't actually exist just for us. We exist for the world around us. The book of Acts covers the early life of the church, and it's, it's a, cool, um, a, a cool book. You should have a read of it. Um, I encourage you sometime this year. In the, in the fourth chapter, it's fascinating. The apostles Peter and John, they've been chucked in prison for preaching, and, but they've been released. And they go back to the church, and they tell them all about it. And instead of protesting to the government, which is what we would do, if, if, I'd be, if I was chucked in prison for preaching, I hope that you would protest. Yes, yes, you would protest. Well, I have one person who would protest. Thank you. Possibly my wife would as well. Yeah, we would, we would be like, hey, hey, our preachers be chucked in, in prison. But see, that's not actually what the early church did. This is what they did. They started a prayer meeting in Acts 4, 23. It says, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And we skip down to, to verse 29. It says, now, Lord, this is them praying, consider their threats, all the, uh, the authorities against them. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. God boldly. Wow. The early, early church has this instinct when things get hard, they pray. When, they, when they're potentially intimidated by circumstances, they pray. When they're challenged, they pray. When they're persecuted, they pray. Possibly we don't pray enough because we just don't face enough opposition. That, that's true. Um, I'm not sure how we arrange that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, not about, I'm not about to go and try and, you know... Uh, bring that upon myself. But I, I think, you know, sometimes we, we've got it so good. We've got it so easy. 
There we don't pray. And we actually need to stir stuff up more in us to pray. And the crazy thing about prayer is that the more we pray, actually the more we want to pray. The more God stirs a desire in us for Him. Because prayer is just being with God. It's asking, but it's also listening. It's conversing with God. And here's a little thing. God is the most lovable person you will know. And, and you know, if you think about the person you love the most, you enjoy spending time with them. And the more time you spend with them, you more think, man, I love this person, and I love spending time with them. Well, the more time you spend with God, the more time you go, man, I love spending time with God. I want to spend more time. And it becomes less of a chore and more a desire and more something that, that if you don't do it, you just can't do without. You're like, man, I've, I've got to get into that space with God. We actually need to start to stir a fire in our bellies. E.M. Bound, I don't know who he is, but he wrote this. Uh, he says, prayer ought to enter into the spiritual habits. So you need to you know, form a habit around it. But it ceases to be prayer when it is carried on by habit only. Desire gives fervor to prayer. The soul cannot be listless when some great desire fixes and inflames it. Strong desires make strong prayers. The neglect of prayer is the fearful token of dead spiritual desires. The soul has turned away from God when desire after Him no longer presses it into prayer. There can be no true praying without desire. I think we actually just need to stir a desire in us for prayer. Can I ask, man, it'd be great if you come back on the, on the keys. And, and I, I'm convinced that, that this year, this needs to be our starting point. We've been very blessed uh, just in the month of January that we can leave this set up because there's no school. We can leave this set up. That means we don't have to get there so early to set things up, which means that we can have a long prayer, longer prayer meeting. So we are starting prayer meetings at 9 o'clock for the month of January. And I don't know, beyond that, we'll see how it all pans out, but... That gives us, you know, we 40 minutes to about 9.40 where we can come together and we can pray and we can cry out for Him and we can stir a, a hunger in us, stir a hunger for Him, and we can start to see things shift in our own lives and in, in the world around us. And I'm convinced that if we start, we need to start the way we intend to go on. I don't want to just drift into this year and kind of just go, oh yeah, well, we'll see what happens in 2019. No, no, I'm convinced to shake heaven and bring God into our world and into our midst and to see change. Are you with me, church? Come on, we need to stir something in us even now. I know it's only the 6th of January. You're still in holiday mode, but something needs to stir in us. Too often when we go on holiday, we take a holiday from God. And, and throughout the year, we're like, I don't have time, I don't have time, I don't have time. And then we have holidays, we've got all this time. And we come, we're like, oh, we forget to do it. We're like, oh, no, I'm holidaying now. And yes, we need to recreate. Yes, you need to, you know, we've been to the beach lots. I've been reading books. I've been hanging out. You've got to have a holiday as well. But I think use this time, use this space to press into God. Because it won't be a chore. Something will come alive in you 
something will stir in you and you'll realize, wow, I just, the answer to all these things that are going on my, on my life is actually not me fixing them. It's, it's God. It's more of Him. We also do a thing called global prayer. Once a month on a Monday night, we all come together across our nation, all the equipers churches and some from overseas as well. And we pray together for our nation and the nations of the world. That will be starting up again soon. I encourage you, get along to those as well. But right now, I'm not just going to talk about prayer. We're going to do some praying. So stand to your feet. And I've just got, I've just, I've just got three things I, I think we should pray for. And I want us to, to turn this into a prayer meeting. Uh, and and I'll share something at the end. We'll do an article and stuff. But just for now, I want us to seek God for 2019. I started with that scripture, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's put all those things aside right now. Whatever it is in your job, in your, in your workplace, in your, your, your plans for the future with your family or your house, or whatever it is you've got, put that to, to the side. And let's in this moment seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Let's, let's ask God into our year. And let's just start, maybe you, you want to start to pray in tongues. Maybe you just start wanting to thank Him for the good things that He has given you already. But let's just start to pray out loud. Don't worry about what the person next to you is going to be praying. I'll pray nice and loud into the mic to help. We'll get the band as well. But let's just put those things aside. And let's start to, to ask for God for 2019 that His kingdom will come, that His will will be done in our lives, in the life of that church, in our city. Can we start to do that? Come on, let's start to pray, Father.